0: You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. Morning, church. So glad you're all here this morning. Truly, truly am. And, and I realize that every single week as we gather and navigate life post-COVID, we're going to be welcoming back new people uh, for the first time back in person. And we just, we're so thankful for you Trusting us, trusting the church family in this process, those that are still joining us online, we honor your decisions in, the, in these difficult days, and we 're glad you 're doing uh, what you feel like is the, is the wise decision for your family, and when you 're uh, comfortable coming back, we will welcome you with six feet uh, um, of open arms so um, but we 're so glad everyone that came this morning, truly are um, this morning, I want to change directions a little bit. I, we started a, a summer series called Authentic Fire" a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it's a series of messages that's been on my heart for, for months. And, and like time we start a series, it's usually been something brewing in, in my heart for months, and we plan it out accordingly. But in light of everything that's happening on the earth and in our nation and even in our own city, I felt something else stirring in my heart for this morning. And so I had an entire message written this morning on the doctrine of healing. Um, but I scrapped that. We will come back to that. Um, we'll start Authentic Fire again next week. But I want this morning to speak into the, the, uh, the current shaking that's happening. And that's how I'm going to describe it. I believe there's a shaking happening on the earth. And a shaking happening in our city and in our nation and I want us to hear the alarm. I want us to hear, hear the alarm and for the church to, to wake up, for the church to rise up. We have the greatest message on the planet. And the, the heart cry of humanity right now is for reconciliation and for peace. And can I tell you, that's been the message of the church for the last 2,000 years. We, ha- we haven't always articulated it clearly, but that is the message of the gospel, and 2,000 years ago, what did, what did God have to do to Peter to get him over himself and his own prejudices that the gospel truly was for all people and all nations? He had to give him a vision three times in a row. <laughs> like, he didn't get it the first time, didn't get it the second time, three times he gave him this vision. No, the gospel's truly for the Gentiles, not just for the Jews. And here we are 2,000 years ago, and God is giving us an opportunity as the church not to play politics, not to to bow to uh, slavery, to policies, but for the church to rise up, for us to wake up with this message of hope and reconciliation that's powerful in a world that's desperately in need. So I believe there's a shaking happening, and and this shaking reveals the need for awakening. That's my heart cry this morning. I believe the shaking that's happening, if we have eyes wide open enough to recognize it, reveals this need that the church has, his bride has, for awakening. So the question is, will we wake up? Will you and I, will we wake up? Will we recognize what's before us? Will we recognize the opportunity? So if you have your Bibles, open up to Haggai. I will have to give you a little extra time to find that one, I know. Haggai, it's about two-thirds of the way through the Bible. If you have a digital uh, Bible, you have an advantage, because you can just scroll to it quickly, (laughs) The, the book of Haggai, short little book, two chapters. I believe the prophet Haggai, though, has a message for us today. I had a powerful conversation with one of our trustee board members this week, Dave Thompson, who we were talking just about world events, the shaking that's happening. And he made a profound statement that change only takes one generation. It only takes one generation for the tide to really turn. And you see that bore out in Scripture as well. As you see a generation inherit situations, crises, uh, ways of life over generations, decades, sometimes even centuries, they, they've inherited a way of life which is idolatry and, and waywardness and apathy and um, even putting up with slavery. But then it takes one generation, one generation of a Josiah or a Nehemiah, you know, or, or here in this passage in Joshua, Haggai, Zechariah, these ones who, who become a voice for awakening. And, and then the people of God respond and there, there happens to be a sweeping awakening for the people of God and they wake up to the purposes that are before them. So will we wake up or are we going to continue to be heavy sleepers? Pastor Tony recently used this illustration in uh, one of our midweek prayer gatherings about the, like, the grogginess of your typical teenager. You know, we, maybe, you, maybe you were this way. Your parents would come in and they'd say, wake up. It's time to wake up. The alarm has been going off. It's time to wake up. And you just continue to lie there. Well, in our household, he was the notorious oversleeper. And sometimes my mom would have to come in with creative ways, dump a bucket of water on his face or, or push him out of bed or tear the, the, tear the covers off. I feel like the alarm has been sounding for the church, and we've just, we've continued to to roll over. The church has continued to roll over and just kind of pretend it's not there, pretend the shaking's not happening, trying to sleep our way through this. We need to wake up. We need an awakening, and so I believe the time is now for the church to wake up. We have the promises of God. We have the, the greatest message on the planet. The alarm is sounding for us to be fully alive to the purposes of God. So, Haggai, hopefully you found it. <laughs> Give you a little extra time. So here's the context: the people of God had been taken away from their homeland to exile in Babylon. And there they were. And part of that exile was, was judgment. They were taken in captivity. You know, Because of their stubbornness, because of their idolatry. But Babylon was overtaken by Persia. And the very, very first king that reigned over Israel in their Babylonian captivity through the, through the kingdom of Persia was King Cyrus. And King Cyrus was benevolent. He was kind to the people of Israel. He allowed them to return back to Jerusalem to begin rebuilding the ruined city of Jerusalem. Begin to rebuild the walls and the, the temple. And so there was this whole group of Is, uh, Israelites that returned back to Jerusalem to begin rebuilding the land. And what was, what was their uh, response, really? It was a lot of inaction. It was a lot of passivity. It was actually a lot of building of their own uh, comforts. And we'll see that in the book right here at the beginning of Haggai. And Haggai, the Lord begins to stir up the prophet Haggai to, to call this out and to call them to action. So I see this morning as a call to action for the church. I had a confirming word given to me during worship from, from, from one of you right here in our congregation. And I believe it is for all of us. It was a word about forward, uh, forward-facing action. How when darkness looms all around us, the way God equips us is with, is with uh, the armor of God in the front for us to move forward. Not for us to be looking backwards, not to be, for us to be sitting Uh, In neutral and passivity but for us to be moving forward and I believe this is a call for action let's read in the book of Haggai chapter one it says in the second year of Darius so an entire king had come and gone King Cyrus that was King Darius and still the city lies in ruins the house of God lies in ruins in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel. Hey, for anybody that is expecting in this place, there are some great names right here. Haggai, Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. And that's going to be a repeated phrase in these two chapters. Consider your ways. Take some self-inventory. Let's reflect for a moment. You've sown so much, or you've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. God is opening our eyes to this reality that we are pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. And we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to wake up the church in a fresh way. God has given us the greatest message of reconciliation, of hope, of transformation to ever be told. If you think about it, Jesus, we think of our times as very difficult times, and they are. There are real issues, and I don't minimize those in the least bit. But if you think about Jesus' ways and his plan of redemption, he came onto the planet at a very difficult time in Israel's history, time of Roman oppression, political, political division, political oppression, um, religious division, all these factions within the house of Israel. And did Jesus get drawn into all of that—the politics, the governmental tensions, even the religious factions? No, he was so subversive to all of that. His message was relevant for actual change because he didn't get drawn into that. The church needs to rise up. That we are the agent. We are the answer. It's not politics. It's not government. It's not all these other organizations. It's the church. We have the message of reconciliation. It's been our message for 2,000 years. The question is, will we go on with our comfortable lives, living in our paneled houses? Will we recognize that our current way of living is producing very little harvest, that we are oftentimes feeding on the wrong things? If we look back over 2020, the last six months of 2020, not even six months, all these earthly institutions are being shaken. Before the current unrest and violence, it was the institutions of medicine and government and economics, even education being shaken. Now it's the social fabric of our country. It's being pulled apart by partisanship, racism and violence and unrest. Law and order, law and order is being replaced by mob justice and bullying. What will our response be when we we see the purposes of God neglected, when we see the house of God in ruin? Will we make excuses and busy ourselves with our own little world of comforts, or will we truly respond with an overwhelming sense of mission? Will we respond with this burning sense of the purposes of God that are upon us, this mantle of the purposes of God that have been given to us? It's us. We're the answer, folks. God doesn't have a plan B. It's the church. It's the bride to be these ambassadors of reconciliation in this world. So let's keep reading. Because oftentimes these prophetic messages come to the house of Israel. And what is usually their response? It's kind of continual rebellion. It's continual stubborn. But this is actually a good, really, really good story. It gives us hope. That there's still time for us to turn. There's still time for us to be woken up. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hill and hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified says the Lord you looked for much and behold it came to little and when you brought it home I blew it away why declares the Lord of hosts because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew the earth has withheld its produce and I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine and oil, on what, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and all their labors. So God again asked them to consider your ways, to take, take inventory on what he has given them. He had blessed them with much. Not only had he provided them with an opportunity to return to, to Jerusalem through benevolent King Cyrus, he had blessed them with many resources. He had blessed them with some leaders that were actually uh, open to the leading of the Lord through Joshua, Jeho- uh, Jehoshaphat, through Zerubbabel, Zechariah, Ezra, that came before the generation before. But what happened was the, the house of Israel were taking this opportunity, these resources, and they began to build a kingdom unto themselves. They hijacked God's purposes for their own purposes. Will we fail to recognize what's been given to us? How long will we allow what's going on in our world to go on without us recognizing recognize that we have been given much? God, God tells the people to go up and take inventory. All that stuff that, that you've been building your houses with has been meant for my purposes, for the purposes of God. The Lord wants to use us in our generation for the glory of God in our city, for the glory of God in our nation, for the glory of God across the earth. If you think of what we've been given in our generation, we live in the age of information. We live in the age of connectivity. But if we're not careful, the age of information for the church may quickly become the age of entertainment for the church. And the age of connectivity, which is meant for deeper relationships, connectivity of, the, of the, the Church of Jesus, capital C, across the globe, could easily just be the age of social media consumption for our own comfort and entertainment. If we're not careful, we have been given much, and we're harvesting little. So seriously, will we wake up to what we have been given? And I have to say this strongly, we have to stop following the ways of this world. As a pastor, I see too many articles come my way from church leaders and pastors saying that the church has to do more in terms of social media and marketing to somehow reach this world. Like we're gonna use the ways of this world to to bring about the transformation that all all of our hearts long for, that really God is worthy of. I tell you, the, the key is not using the ways of this world. God's ways of redemption are subversive to the ways of this world. So God is asking us whether or not we're going to recognize what's been given us, given to us in this age. Let's look at verse 12. It says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. In the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. He gives them that the promise of his presence. I am with you. I am with you. It's the greatest distinctive upon the, upon the people of God. Ever to be encountered, ever to be revealed to us. He is with us. That's our distinctive. It's not our social media presence, it's not our buildings, it's not our programs, it's the presence of God. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shaltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. They have this encounter with this revelation that it's the presence of God that is their distinctive. It's not their paneled houses. It's not their name, Israel. It's the presence of God. That's what makes them distinct on the earth. And it's from that place that their hearts are stirred again. Their spirits are stirred again for the purposes of God. It's like, oh, yeah, that's what we're supposed to be. That's supposed to be central to us as a nation. It's the presence of God. So they recognized the neglected purposes of God, and they responded to this promise of his presence. They were stirred to action. So will we wake up to the presence of God? Will we grow in an awareness of his reality in our midst? Will we allow that encounter, that revelation to stir us to action? Or will we just continually be stirred up emotionally by the things of this world? I've shared this recently with our staff team just this week, that I feel like there is this stirring that's happening in the world. There's a stirring of emotions happening. People are getting very, this this unrest has just been brewing, and I don't feel like COVID, pandemic, and lockdowns helped that at all. It's been stirring. It's stirring online, and now it's bursting. As the church, we're, we're called to be different. We're called to be stirred, but not stirred in the same way that the world is. Not just this emotional stirring that kind of bursts out in a very childish way. We're called to be stirred to the action of God's purposes for God's glory. And it's stirred from this place of real encounter with the revelation of God's presence. So are we being more informed by media and social media than by the reality of God in our lives? That's a serious question I've been asking myself lately. As I watch the horrific videos going around, the events that have taken place over the last two weeks, there is an emotional part of me that's stirred. It's bothersome. But if I'm not careful, I begin to be stirred more stirred by the things of this world and the ways of this world than being stirred in my spirit by the things of God for God's purposes. And and in this story of the people of God and the generation of Haggai, They were stirred by this revelation of God's presence amongst them and the the call to action for the purposes of God. So are we being tossed around by the world, succumbing to the latest media trends of hysteria rather than being restful, content, peaceful followers of Jesus that he's called us to be? Are we being more stirred by by the most recent crisis or more stirred by the spirit of God? God calls us to abide in him, and he gives us an amazing promise that if we abide in him and he in us, we're going to bear much fruit. It's a promise. He also gives us a counter-promise, which is apart from, apart from him, we can do nothing. And I'm afraid that we will be deceived into settling for nothing if we, continually just, if we continue to just be stirred by, by the emotional hysteria of this world. God's calling us to wake up. So let's read the next nine verses. We won't read the entire book, but both chapters are amazing. Haggai chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In the seventh month, on the twenty-first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it, not, is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I'm with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Again there is that promise of his presence. His spirit is still here. His presence is here. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yes, yes, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with the glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. God gives us a picture of his plan. This is his game plan. This is his, this is his way. Now, I believe that Haggai was speaking prophetically into the, even into the days of the new covenant. Because he says the treasure of all nations will come in. And he's not talking about just earthly treasures. He's talking about the treasures of people's souls, people's hearts, of all nations, of all tribes, of all tongues being brought into the house of God. And it's going to come as a result of a shaking. And I believe the shaking is beginning. I believe the shaking is happening on the earth. The question is, will the church hear the alarm? Will we awaken to God's purposes God's purposes for his house, God's purposes for the church is for us to go from glory to glory, not for us to peter into irrelevance and decline, but instead for, the, for this latter glory to be even greater than the former glory, for the awakenings and the revivals of our generation to be greater than prior generations. The promises of God are that good. The latter will be greater than the former. And we talk about and we read of testimonies of what God has done in the past. And they are meant to whet our appetites as the people of God for what he wants to do in our generation and even greater. It's so interesting that God calls the people of God here in this passage. As again, he speaks through the prophet Haggai. He calls them to reflect on a thousand years of history. He says, think back to Egypt. Were any of these people actually in Egypt? No. But there's are so... Connected. They're so intertwined with God's redemptive story of the last thousand years. He said that same spirit that was with you, that delivered you from Egypt, that same spirit is with you now. That same spirit emboldens us to action now. That same spirit goes before us now to allow us to be the conduit of hope and reconciliation in this world. So he's going to shake the earth. He's told us that. And Jesus talks about that as well in these last days, that there will be tribulations, that there will be shakings. We don't have to be afraid. There's nothing for us to fear. The presence of God is our distinctive. The presence of God is in our midst, if we will be aware aware of it. And this awakening that he wants to bring through our generation will be even greater than the ones of old. God is calling for our attention. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I wanted this to be shorter for us to be able to respond. God is calling for our attention. So I believe there's much to this waking up of the church. One is to recognize, again, the purposes of God. One is to recognize the resources that have been given to us. And it's from that place that then we begin to grow in an awareness of our desperation for the presence of God in our midst as a reality, not as a doctrine only or as theology, but as a living reality of His presence. And that's when the church begins to be activated, Monday through Sunday. It's when we're actually aware of His presence, His living reality in our midst. So I I don't claim to be a prophet, okay? I I really feel like God has called me to, to shepherd, to be a pastor. But every once in a while, there's like this prophetic stirring in my heart. And this week, that's what happened. I wrote an entire message on healing that was on my heart. I threw that in the trash because I knew for this moment there was something more prophetically that God wanted to speak to our church. And if we'll allow it, Prophetic inspiration becomes this invitation into divine visitation with the Lord. And that's where the church is set free. It's in divine encounter, divine visitation, where we actually hear the voice of the Lord saying, Fear not, you have nothing to fear. There's nothing for you to be afraid of in this age. His presence is with us. He has equipped us with the message of hope. He's, he's equipped us with this message of re- reconciliation. The church is God's answer. And this boldness begins to rise up in the church of God. There's going to be a lot of noise that I would, I would say, I would predict a growing volume of noise in the days to come. A lot of people coming up with a lot of fancy answers for the issues that ail our generation, but can I tell you, all the all the issues that we've seen over the last two weeks and prior, they're soul issues. These are the reflection of the heart of a nation, the heart of a people. So, what are our answers for soul issues? Is it politics? Is it policies? Is it programs? Is it more buildings? No. We need the gospel to come alive in our nation. It's the hope of the gospel that sets us free. So God is calling us to action. And I believe that means the church of Jesus getting on our face before the Lord. It's in that place that he gets a hold of our heart. This is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to ask the worship team to play quietly. If you're with us online, in your living room, I encourage you to not pass up this opportunity to join with us in your own living room, wherever you're at, unless you're driving, don't stop or get on your knees in your car or anything. But I want us to respond to the Lord. This is a call to action. So I meant to end a little early to give us an opportunity to really respond to the Lord. So across this place, maybe you want to get on your knees before the Lord. Maybe you want to sit in your seat. Maybe you wanna lay on the floor before the Lord, I want us to get on our faces before God, cry out to him for a growing awareness of our need for him in this hour. Some of us need to maybe ask for forgiveness. We've been building up these lives of comfort for ourselves. We've been more informed by media and social media. We've allowed our emotions to be stirred to I would say sinful places. We're not allowing the spirit of God to be stirred up in us for actually holy purposes so all across this place we're going to respond to the Lord it's a call to action Lord we heed the call of the prophet Haggai this morning and we refuse to allow the the purposes of God to sit in ruins in our generation. We, We refuse to allow the mission of God to be set on a shelf as a nice sounding theory or idea. Lord, this morning we as a church we respond to this prophetic call. We repent of ap- apathy of sleepiness. We repent of self-centered living, of building comfortable lives unto ourselves. This morning we turn to you, Jesus. We turn to you, Lord. you allow our hearts to be stirred for the things that your heart is stirred for we want to be a part of seeing the the treasure of all nations come in we want to be a part of that latter glory that's greater than any story we've ever heard greater than any story of revival or awakening in the the past that Lord this would truly be an even greater awakening we pray in your mighty name I believe right now that the Lord is going to highlight something in your heart to draw you to Himself in a greater way. So, whatever it is, if there's an area of repentance that's just needed in your life, would you just deal with that right now between you and the Lord? Maybe it is racism. Maybe it is judgmentalism. Maybe it's apathy. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's emotionalism. Maybe you've allowed your heart to be hijacked by, by politics. Whatever it is, just right now, repent for the Lord. thank you for being receptive to the Lord for being open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit I believe the Lord wants to give us an encounter of that reality of his presence that repeated promise that Haggai spoke over the children of Israel that God is with them it's his presence so you have no reason to fear we don't need to be shaken the way the world is God's kingdom is unshakable, and his presence in our midst is the distinctive that we need. So Lord, right now, all across this place, I pray that we would be a people that live with an awareness of your presence. That's what allows the church to be the church Monday through Sunday. So when we live as, with this awareness, this conscious reality or conscious awareness of, of your presence in our midst. That you are God with us, Holy Spirit in us. So Lord, every single person in this place that considers themselves a follower of Jesus, I pray they would grow in an awareness of your presence in their life that, Lord, there would be that still small voice speaking to them on Monday afternoon. Their ears would be open to hear from you. That just as you promised Jesus, you would bring to remembrance through the Spirit, bring to remembrance the, the, the things of truth, the things that you had taught them. And that your word begin to become alive in our church in a fresh way. That's an awareness of your presence. You're not a God that's in a box. You're not a God that sits in a building. You are God Emmanuel, God with us, Holy Spirit in us. And so I pray for that revelation to come alive in people right now, in their hearts and minds, to pray in your name, Jesus. You're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God I encourage you right now to take this opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus the alarm is sounding for the church but that's obviously also an alarm for anyone that doesn't yet know God to get your life right with him and he's provided the way, the perfect way through his son Jesus this morning if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus this is, this is time, surrender your life to him, come to the end of yourself admit that you can't clean your own life up place your faith in Jesus what happens is Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, you're born again, you begin new life in him that prayer yourself right now in your own heart. This has been the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.